it's kind of funny though how they're it's like oh you know roadrunner and stuff it's like yeah i've been doing like mountain races for <laughs> 15 years Episode number 155 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So, Tommy boy, you're, uh, you look like you're sitting in a stadium right now. Uh, is, what, what stadium is that out of interest? I might know the, the answer to this. I sound like I don't know, but tell the listeners. Eh? This is, good evening, Kyle. Hello, listeners. This is the Stad Charlotte, which is actually, and I'm sat, this is the photo I took from the the seat I had at the meeting de Paris on, on Saturday, which was the, the Paris Diamond League. So this is this is the viewpoint I had pretty much had on, on Saturday. So you can see I'm right in front of the pole vault pit, which I'll I'll talk to, which or runway, which I, which was incredible. So yeah, very good. So what a week we've got. i I was at Live Athletics, you were volunteering at, and running directing Space Highway Ultra and volunteering at the the Scottish um, age group champs, and there was UTMB last week and we had the Antrim, of course, which I was crying into my porridge not to be at. So it's so much to talk about, mate. Oh, I know. Do, do you remember this time like six months ago and we were like, we were just basically telling jokes to each other to keep the keep the TRS show alive. And what what a, what, a, what a stacked lineup, not just about some some news and some of our own events uh, that would be, but, you know, international news, but lots of local races have been happening as well. It's just amazing but you know i'm i'm sitting here drinking drinking a, a brew gooder tropical pale ale now i've got to say so brew gooder spite uh, kindly donated um beer for the runners for space and we ultra and i've got to say this is probably one of my favorite beers i've ever tasted the tropical pale it tastes so refreshing so this yeah, sounds I, like I, right i'm just going to stop right there this sounds like, this sounds like an advert and i've got none no. of it so if they want to advertise in TRS, they need to fire it over to Paris as well. Remember well, well, the we've got, we've got a, a couple of boxes waiting here. So Tommy boy, when when you come over, I'll I'll make sure this I'm ready for you. This, so I'm gonna I'm gonna count that with I'm drinking a I'm drinking a Gallia Paris uh, session IPA, 4.3%. It's a it's a lovely beer, it's going down uh, really well. Tropical aromas. Tropical. <laughs> it's 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 uh, you always drink that Gallia stuff. I do. Well, I like to drink local. You know, I like to. I like. I like my beer not to have been shipped across the world. I think it's good to. Well, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But I've got to say, this stuff, like, um, it's not an advert whatsoever. Oh, like, I've done my 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 agreement, my contract with Brugida, but it's nothing to do with. It tastes amazing. It's so like it's such a refreshing. This is an advert. Well. <laughs> it's, it's anyway. Right, shut up, Kyle. Jesus Christ. Anyway, right. Before we go into anything. What we're going to say, Rob, before we go, I want, did you say that we've got Robbie Simpson on the show? No, I didn't. So we've got, yeah, great, great uh, segue. So this week we're del- delighted that joining us is uh, is uh, second place from the OCC, Robbie Simpson, uh, Bankery's finest. So he's jumping on this week. And uh, yeah, fresh from his, uh, his, his amazing run at the UTMB last week, the OCC. All right. And then uh, obviously I was race directing at the Space Edway Ultra. Uh, so we'll, we'll chat about that and um, but this is the one I want to get into is basically why you're sitting in a stadium right now you you mentioned I didn't actually know you were you're heading toward you know to, to the Diamond League in Paris so t- 
tell us all about it, Tommy. Tell us about you know the fine view of the pole vault that you had uh, and and the drama that unfolded. The yeah, the Diamond League in Paris was ace. It was the first time I've been at live sport in a stadium in it must be two years. And you know, feeling like we used to always make a trip every year. We'd go to a big athletics meet. So whether it be London 2012, World Champs in Moscow 2013, Rope Diamond League 2011, uh, Eugene Diamond League 2014, uh, anniversary games in London, the Glasgow Indoor, you know, always make an effort. And it's been, it feels like it's been a few years since we've done that. And the, the club here, Team Langland, uh, kindly took a bunch of us who were interested to watch it. And it was great. We were, you can see here, Stad Charlotte on the picture. It's not a massive stadium, but it was, I would say it was sort of maybe three quarters capacity. So I would guess maybe eight, 10,000 people um, and what was what was great about it was it 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 was you know there was an atmosphere and there was some there were some big names we had I mean in the three thousand with Eilish McColgan who ran eight thirty one which was just outside of PB for her yeah, one within one second that. amazing so great to see her running with Dean Asher Smith in the hundred women's who she was third uh, with Elaine Hera Thompson you know absolute legend to watch Fiona was delighted to see a, a, one of her all time legend a her- heroines of um, Alison Felix in the four hundred and then. Where we're sat, so we're sat in the back straight, right plumb in front of the long jump, the, sorry, the pole vault runway. And we had the, the just an amazing spectacle. Deplantis, the, the legend that is, uh, we had Sam Kendricks, uh, we had Nielsen, the American silver medalist from the Olympics, and we had uh, Roman Lavellani, the, the sort of former great of, of pole vaulting, and his, and his uh, younger brother, actually, he was competing. And it was just amazing. It ran. It went on the pole. The the pole must have run on, or or Perche, as it's called in French. It must have run on for a good hour and a half. Um, and it start. You know, it's usual way it, it started. It started off, and it was quite tame, and it just got more and more exciting as we went on. But what I took away from that is, Duplantis is just an absolute like hero. I mean, the the amount, even and Kendricks as well. The amount. You know these guys are good, but I've never really watched and took in the pole vault before. But the amount of lift these guys get is ridiculous. And then anyway, long story short, Deplantis wins. He clears six or one. The, the other two were left at that stage, didn't clear it. So he goes, they make this announcement on the Tannoy. He's going for the world record. So he takes oh. so the form the world record was 618 indoors in Glasgow. So he uh they move it up to 619 and he takes three attempts at it. Now, unfortunately, he didn't make it. But the atmosphere and the build and just the interaction he had with the crowd, the guy's got so much charisma. He's clearly a talent. And oh, it was just, it was absolutely a pleasure to watch. And I was really hoping to be, to, to have one of those moments where you see a, a world record happen. And it, it obviously it, it didn't in the end, but just a great meet. And I quite like this new Diamond League format. It's, it's, it's compressed into just over two hours, which I think is for TV, but it means it's a really intense period. There's lots happening on the track, there's lots happening on the field. And we had a great time, really enjoyed it. And yeah, so next year you need to get you guys out for the, the Paris Diamond League. I'm I'm really, really excited to go again. It really got my you know, got my athletics uh juices yeah, flowing. Taste buds. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And you know what and the thing is what we'll come to is that came off the back of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We pretty much in the living room, we just had the YouTube on the TV with a live uh, UTMB stream. And watching it kind of in passing, watching it with breakfast, go to work, come back, watch it in the evening as we're just like sort of pouring around the kitchen and stuff. And it's it's just, uh, it was an amazing weekend of sport. And then Sunday wow. morning, I, I get up from a long run and push my long run back an hour and a half because I watched the, the Antrim Coast coverage. So it was a, it was a, it's with a world record. Packed, isn't it? So much happening. It's wow. just brilliant. 
Well, well, let's well let's go let's go into the UTMB then, eh? Since um, let's yeah, do that. We've got the the man, the myth, the northeast beast from the east, uh, Robbie Simpson on the show to chat about his phenomenal second place at the OCC. Now, I'm going to admit I've not really had a chance to be you know viewing the UTMB races. So, Tommy boy, you know you you know it just as much just as well as me now. So, uh, yeah, tell us tell us. You know, tell us about his race. Well, actually, you don't have to because Robbie's on the show. Well, well let's, I, let's chat about the other races, then. Eh? Well, let, I'll give a bit of context. Uh, and you say I know it as well as you do. I know I know the, the context of the event, but let's be honest, I definitely don't know the event like you do. But uh, it was really, I was meshing Kyle a bit Thursday, Friday, because it was really, it was great to reminisce watching them. Like, you know, the, as they, when I first tuned in and watching Robbie and Co coming through Champilac and, Memories flooding in of seeing Kyle there after his. That was the first uh, station he came into after the the first evening of running. That, that and, could have been a, a disaster. That first station there. <laughs> well, no, this is the one in the, uh, the one in the morning. You know the one <laughs> yeah. in the with the lake. Yeah, that could have been a disaster. But no, the one that remember when we uh, we left the tickets to get into. The, oh yeah, yeah. God, that was a. Uh, what was that? Like, that was at the. That was after. Is it Le Contamine? Le Contamine, I think it is, which is the one right. after Saint Gervais and. Yeah, that was the one where, so Ky- I, Kyle, we basically, it was like, I think it was probably, it was a 50-50 fuck up with all the <laughs> co- all the confusion that was going on. But anyway, I found myself on the bus to Le Contamine for Kyle's first aid station. And I thought, oh, bollocks, I don't have the tickets to get into the aid station as like an official <laughs> crew here. And I'm thinking, this is the last aid station, this is the only aid station he's got before the night. Before he's running all the way to Cormier, and I'm thinking, oh my god, what am I going to do? Anyway, there was I was reminiscing with Fiona over this over the weekend actually. So there was three checkpoints I had to get through. So the first one I got through kind of by just tailing someone in who'd shown a ticket, and I'm like sort of hiding behind him, getting through. Like I'm through one guy, fine. I've got about an hour to get through to the next one. Then the next one, I kind of um, the next one. What did I do? I kind of just, I think I just sort of like like blagged my way in somehow and it was fine but then the third one the guy was like not not having it so i remember phoning up debbie and saying can you send a photo of it so i showed the guy the photo i said look i was quite honest with him I said look you know my athlete he's coming in soon if i'm not there he's he's in the shit i promise you i swear to god <laughs> I, I here is the photo of this anyway in the end there was so many people coming it was quite cool about it but I, I was so relieved to get in um but the, but of course so and just like things like that and then watching the coverage and seeing in Trient the pink church and that and memories of you pl- of coming in there and that was like oh, knowing was a dark you, day, that, wasn't it? that was a dark point but that actually was the one point where I, I thought you might not make it and that was the point where that kind lady who was crewing for her um, her wife she gave me a load of cooling gel and stuff because I remember saying ice, to her ice, I'm really ice spray, I'm, wasn't it? exactly I was I remember saying to her I'm really worried about his quads because you were they were starting to fall apart, not fall apart, but they were in bits already at the at Champilac. And uh, and you were obviously going to go over and up and down a mountain between those two guys. <laughs> really? And she and she was like, she opened this like treasure chest of goodies. And she's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I'm sat there with a rucksack, with a, like a hiking rucksack full of basically SIS gels and energy bars. I'm like, wow, okay, that's proper preparation. In her defense, she had a car, to be fair. So... Yeah, oh, memories, eh? And then, uh, but yeah, so t- it was really cool to watch watch it with a bit more understanding this year because obviously it wasn't on last year with Paul Capel's uh, solo attempt. But watching it and Robbie, I guess we started the OCC, Robbie was just incredible. So him and Jonathan Albin were really neck and neck in the second half of it and and 
Johnson album. You'll Rob, we'll talk about with Robbie. So we'll go into detail there, but ultimately, it's the second place for Robbie and an amazing run. He was like 50 minutes under the course record himself. That's incredible. Uh, unbelievable. That's like, incredible. and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you'll hear a lot of learnings he took from it, um, but it's an amazing performance. It really is. And it really, I think, when you look at him in his Terex colors and the, the Terex are such a presence there, it really. You know he, he's already on the map, um, but it's really it really cements him there as someone who, who's a top performer. So yeah, really good, really good. Well, without further ado, let's get let's get Robbie Simpson on. So here he is. Welcome back to TRS. OCC silver medalist Robbie Simpson. Robbie, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, still a bit sore uh, from the race, but like, yeah, enjoying everything, recovering. Because, well, it's it's Monday, and you were racing last. Uh, gosh, with the UTMB weekend seems so long ago. Was it Thursday? Thursday you raced. Yeah, yeah, Thursday. So yeah, a while ago now. And it's, I mean, the, we'll, the, we'll talk about the result with the listeners. It was an amazing second place. It was, it was just incredible. We were fortunate to be able to watch it closely. But you've actually been out in the Alps uh, for a while. And we were talking about a few weeks ago on, on the podcast about your Sierra Zanel performance. So tell us a bit about your summer. How's the, how, how have the mountain life been for you? What's the preparation it's, been like? It's been good. I mean, before the, the first race at Sierra Zanel, it was really hard to know how things were going in training because... Yeah, I'd just been in the UK for so long and not ran on any big, big mountains. So, um, <clears throat> like, I was feeling quite good in training, but I just had no idea what sort of shape I was in and if I could be, like, competitive like I have been in the past. So, um, yeah, I just had to really get get some hard training done, but actually try not to get too carried away. Because <laughs> when you go out there, you just want to run, like, long every day and just smash yourself. But then that just makes you really tired. So, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a careful balance, really. Yeah, you did. I mean, and Sierra Zanal, that one going into that, you were, I mean, you're saying you weren't quite sure on how you're filming the big climbs. I mean, that was an amazing, that was an amazing result. And just to, the way you executed that, particularly, was quite impressive to see you. I know you've run that race a few times now, you're well experienced at it, but the way you came through the field in the second half and you were chasing down Killian, how was that race? Yeah, it was, it was a lot better than I expected it to be, to be honest. Um, so, like, of course, every year there's a really good field and they like to say like oh, so many like past winners and guys with massive like ranking scores on the ITRA uh, database and all that. And yeah, you just go in and think, yeah, I mean, there's only ever going to be one winner there. So like there's a lot of people go there and end up disappointed. So it's really just about running sensibly. And then um, if I'd had done like maybe one or two more races, I might have gone in a bit more aggressively, but I just took it a bit steady in the first part on the climb. And then thought, yeah, when I get to the top, we'll really start ramping it up. But then I got a stitch before the top and I was just running with this annoying stitch in my side, going really slow and just seeing everyone drifting away. And then it kind of didn't go the way I thought it would. Uh, But I was running like with a handheld bottle um, because they didn't have many aid stations. So I thought, yeah, I'll just carry the bottle and then um, that'll be really easy. I'll pick up a fresh bottle at halfway um, because one of my teammates is watching. But then I just threw the damn bottle away because it was so annoying. I'm sure that caused the stitch. So I threw the bottle away and then I, I got to like the top of the climb where it starts to level out. And I saw my teammate with a fresh bottle and I was like, nah, can't face holding that for like another hour and a half. So I just ran on. And then like 10 minutes later, I was really thirsty. <laughs> so <laughs> right. 
again, I felt legs felt really good when the stitch went away and I started to move through a little bit on the sort of high section where you're, you're still climbing a bit, but it's like rolling kind of climbs and descents. And then, yeah, I moved through the field a little bit and I could see quite a few guys ahead, but it was so thirsty. So I just had to jump off the trail and drink out one of the streams and then get back onto the trail again, <laughs> and kind of push on. And then like the last tough bit of the race is really going up to this uh, Hotel Weisshorn and just beyond that, it's like the highest part. Mm-hmm. And um, a few more people were struggling on that climb. So I made it up another few places, got a drink there. And that was like, great. Just grabbed a huge bottle of water and just downed a load of that and then poured it on my head, ran on from there. And then suddenly there were like a big group of guys just in front, like on the single trail. And we started going downhill. And I thought like, normally like by that point in the race, I've kind of ran my race and it's just hanging on to the end. But this time around, it felt like I hadn't really properly pushed to the max. So then there were still guys in front. It felt quite good and just thought, yeah, I'll just see if I can catch them all and see what happens. And uh, passed a lot of guys and then just tried to hang on till the end. And um, yeah, a lot of guys, I think a lot of the group in front had started quite hard. So they couldn't really respond when I went past. And then just full pelt to the finish, like <laughs> trying not to get caught. And yeah, second was really happy with. That's it. It's that's great, and I guess it's uh, that must you were when was that? That was early July, is that right? Early, so uh, early August, early August. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sixth or seventh or thereabouts. And and how does that? I mean, that you obviously a great result. You, I mean, you big confidence booster. What's interesting for me is you've got the two. So Sierra Zanal is is a is is a, a big climb from from what we can see, whereas you've got up to that high point. And then, whereas going into OCC, which will look to be um, much, mo- much more, I mean, I guess, look to be a lot of up and down, a lot of up and downs in there. How did you approach the two, the two races differently coming out of Sierra and and now knowing you're heading, heading on to, to Chamonix for the OCC? Um, well, in terms of training, most of the training I did was for OCC. And then I thought I'd just run Sierra and off whatever shape I'm in. Okay. And then obviously the tactics were quite different um, in the race and the profiles. There's just a lot more downhill. Like, so Sierra Zanal has a downhill at the end, but it's only like 900 meters or so. Mm-hmm. Whereas OC, you do three climbs. So I hadn't actually done a race with three big climbs and descents, I don't think ever. Oh, or wow. Nothing like that anyway. I think I did the three peaks race in like 2011, <laughs> something like that, 10 years ago. <laughs> so that was like the last time. So it's totally different because the descents you have to gauge it right like because they take a lot out of the legs as well so it's just trying to yeah know how you're going to respond to running down like a thousand meters really really fast and then go straight into another big climb um but yeah that's kind of what the training was for just trying to get used to multiple climbs and a lot more elevation um mm. than being at home because what i found interesting on the in the sort of the, the build-up to to occ there was obviously a lot of there was a lot made of like the, the big names yourself included and um, the Albin, the chap who won it, he was, they kept, he obviously, he's got a great Palmares with his, uh, uh, on his, his, his trail running and, and whatnot, but they were, they kept heralding him as a, an unreal descender. And uh, I, does that, I mean, I, I was, I was thinking to myself, that's, I, I, I wouldn't know what is, whether, whether you're a good descender or not. Did you, the descents, is that something that was, th- that was coming to mind in, in the race that, uh, that, that was going to be a big challenge if you you were saying you've not done that that sort of up and down so many times. Um, well, I mean, I think me and John just ran well, have slightly different strengths and things. So, like for me, 
I definitely could have ran the first two descents a lot quicker, but it was like, if I do that, my quads are just going to be absolutely mm-hmm. wrecked for the climbs. Whereas like he was, he told me like, oh, I don't feel very good on the climbs at all. But he was making up the time. He's a really good downhill runner, like mm-hmm. for sure. But it's difficult. You don't race like all those three descents like flat out because otherwise mm-hmm. your quads just like go. Because in Sierra Zanala ran a good descent, but it was the last the last one of the race. Like you can just push yeah. it because you, know, you don't have to like survive for another few hours after. But <clears throat> like in this race, I was kind of surprised to be honest because I accidentally ended up leading on the first climb. I didn't want to be leading, but I was okay. in the lead. And then I started going down the first descent. I expected like five guys to come sprinting past because I was taking it quite relaxed. But in the end, like John did pass lower down the descent and we ran a bit together then he pulled away a little bit but it was like I was running quite relaxed there and quite happy with how it was going for me it was like the last descent I thought if I can get there and race the last descent that's where like that's where you can push to the max but to be honest by the time I got there there was no racing left in the legs it was just <laughs> survival but uh yeah John is a really good downhill runner and but I would say were- I'm average <laughs> Well, yeah, but the thing is, you were looking, you looked really strong and it was uh, the early part of the race. It was difficult to see exactly where you were, but it came, it became quite apparent. I think it was Champy Lack when it was, it was apparent there was like, there was a, a clear group or, you know, yourself included who were, who were really in the, in the, in the mix there. Um, and we, if we fast forward, Valacine, we saw you come in. It looked like you were in the lead, but it looked like there was a bit of confusion about where you were. Did you take it? Is it right <laughs> saying you took a wrong turn? Yeah, it was one of those stupid things. Like I, I knew the course well from having ran over it, and it was really well marked all the way. But then there was like you're on this big gravel road coming downhill, and then just before Valerine, you have this sharp right like turn onto a little trail that then takes you into the town, and it's only a few minutes away from Valerine. And like I, I knew exactly where the turn was, but when I looked there, I didn't see any markings or anything. Oh, like no. there was no tape, and I expected like a big bit of tape across the the gravel road like saying, yeah, go right here. But I didn't see that. So I thought, oh, maybe they've changed because they changed the start of the race as well, uh, the start loop. And I thought, oh, maybe because they made the start longer, they've made this a bit shorter or something. So I just kept on running. And then I just kept on running. And it was more zigzags on this gravel road. Then I realized that it was like way longer. And then I could hear people like cheering John. I was like, oh, oh, he was behind no. me. Because like, he was like, I don't know how far behind, but I couldn't see him at all behind me. So then... Yeah, I was definitely in the lead, but like he was then in Valerine way before. But then by like luck, I looked down, like I could hear people cheering and I could see people through the forest, like low down. So where I would have been, you kind of cross over, like the course crosses over this railway uh, railway line and mm-hmm. there's a little bridge and I could see the bridge. So I just went straight down to the bridge um, because I realized the track I was on would have taken me straight to the aid station without going through Valerine. And I thought, like, if ah, I, right, if I yeah. turn up there, they're just going to disqualify me because um, I've not followed the course. So I could cut back onto the course. But it just meant, like, having done this extra bit, then joining on the course, I probably, I mean, I definitely lost some time. But I, I just, like, scrambled down this embankment, cut my arm a little bit. It's okay now. Oh, but, like, no. It was bleeding a bit. And then went through Valacine. But I got there, like, 90 seconds behind John. So I was like, oh, all that work wasted there was a there was a glorious close-up of you in the aid station where you looked like you looked not i wouldn't say pissed off but you looked a bit like mildly confused uh i don't know if it was maybe it was just the, the how to be the moment in your face but how do you re, how do you respond to that when you think i guess you were leading you're in the mix and you lose that time you then straight into the aid station uh how do you i guess keeping your head must be quite tough at that stage 
Yeah, I was pretty angry, to be fair. It was just, um, I mean, I've done it before. It's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> but yeah, there was just a few things because before that I was thinking really rationally and then I, I'd have a few plans of like how to fuel through the race. And then I did really well up till then. And then my plan was to like pick up more kind of energy there, like whatever they had, just fill up my bottles with like Coke or just anything with sugar in it. But when I got there, I just grabbed, put water in and then just sprinted out the aid station without really thinking. And then I pushed like really, really hard to catch John because they said 90 seconds ahead. And then I started running because it's quite a runnable section after there for like, I don't know, about 6K. And then after about 1K, they said, oh, he's 50 seconds ahead. I thought, okay, like I can close this gap. So I just pushed like so hard and then I could see him ahead and just caught him and like went by and thought like, yeah, this is, this is great. But I think at, at that point, it was maybe the first point in the race that I was pushing a bit too hard and then probably still had like uh, 90 minutes left at least. So Ooh. still a bit too soon to be like digging that deep. And I think that's, that probably was a mistake in hindsight, but at the time it was great to get back in the lead again and just um, like cruise along that fast section. Because you look, you look good, and actually we saw that the coverage showed you go past him on that that stretch, not far after you the when it runs on the railway line next to the railway line. There's a, a section where you were thought you went past him, um, and then you've got that last, you obviously that last after Argentina, that last big climb up um, to La Flagera, and there was a lot of debate in the commentary: is this is Robbie going to put is Robbie going to use his climbing strength to put enough time into John on the descent? So going into that, you've got like an hour, an hour, hour and a half of running left. Are you are you how does your mind start to think about racing for this versus running it flat out? Well, yeah, I just had to really, yeah, try and I thought if I could open a gap on the climb, then I could probably hold off because like the first half of the descent was a bit like technical and zigzaggy, but then the second half is like really fast. And I thought if I could get to that in the lead, then, you know, I can definitely hold them off on the flatter sections, but it was more, like it went from that in Argentiera to then like 15 minutes later being like, can I actually make it to the end full stop? Because I, wow. I kind of messed up again. Because I tried to, I meant to take on more energy in Valorcine and then I like missed that chance. Then I used up like basically the last of everything I had. And then I got into Argentiera and then I was like, okay, can I get some gels? And then it's like, oh, we don't have any gels. We've got like cheese, we've got ham, <laughs> we've got bread. That's, that's so, so France, so UTMB. So then I was thinking, like, well, what the hell? Like, what can I take? Because uh, and then John went sprinting past because I'd been in this aid station trying to work out what I can take. So then I basically I got the soft flask and I tried to pour coke in it, but they just poured like the bottle up into the coke and it just fizzed up and there was no coke actually getting into the bottle. And then I was just like furious, like John's starting that uphill already. I had a lead coming into here and I've lost it, like faffing around with this coke. And then, um, yeah, it was really frustrating because in the end, I never really got much coke in the flask at all and I lost time. So then I sprinted out the aid station, again, caught John up past John, opened up a bit of a gap on that first part of the climb. But then, like, I could really feel that I was on the edge of, like, bonking completely. Oh, wow. Uh, so I was, like, trying to take this, like, drink this coke, but it just wasn't enough. Like, I needed a full flask of it at least and um because it was still like well over an hour to go and it was hot as well so it was just feeling like it was okay for a while and then suddenly just hit me on this like steep section where i could i just stopped almost for a second like i don't know if i can make it to the top so then i had to be a bit more careful then it was not like you know can i win this and beat john it was like if if i screw this up i'm not going to make it to the end in the podium at all so 
I had to ease off a little bit. And then there was like a stream there that I splashed water over my like head and arms and legs and stuff. And then just tried to find any single gram of sugar I had left in my pack. <laughs> and then like drink quite a lot as well. But to be really honest, it was just a death march from there to the top. And like John caught me up and then I just didn't feel like it. I was running because it was easier for me to run than walk because I could feel like almost cramp in one leg. So like jogging was fine, but like big, long kind of uh, walking strides, I think they cramped up the hamstring. But um, yeah, it was just like John was there and I, I couldn't do anything. It was just it was horrible. That's, it's funny how you don't like well, watching the coverage. You don't get that sense. It's just you get the sense of exciting racing, both come flat out. And you don't obviously it's impossible to. To know that, and we actually, I could, we saw a couple of times you filling up your bottle from streams, and uh, it looked really hot, which made, which I guess added to the intensity, intensity of the racing. On the fueling, what interests me is I saw there was one point where I think it was the, your Terex team manager was was floating around as you came into Valencia. Can you not get? Can the team not give you gels? Or you've got to take it from the aid station. Is that right? Yeah. So this it's a rule like no support at all. So oh, the OCC is no support, right? Okay. Yeah, because most races, most ultra races, you can have crew and support. So UTMB is quite strict because yeah, it has to be only support from like certain areas on the course from yeah. certain people that are yeah accredited to you or whatever. But this race there was no support at all, and like that's all right. But I mean, it's still quite a long race to just do entirely off of gels you mm. carry, and I carry a lot of gels, but it's just I didn't want to carry twenty gels. I thought I could probably get away with like carrying 12 or something like that or 13 and then maybe picking up just a few more for the second half because i just assumed like it's an ultra race they're gonna have gels they always have gels but, yeah, <laughs> not here. well i mean the thing is you're out there for, so you're out there for five hours five minutes we'll come to the result in itself which which is which is incredible how in terms of expectations going into it then is this i know you did that big race in the states last year how does this how did this compare in terms of your sort of um the the ski the grand scheme of races you've done in terms of distance length vert and what was your what was your kind of expectation going into it yeah so the longest race i've done is um <clears throat> 50 miles but this even though it was 56k like it had a lot more vert um and certainly more vert per kilometer so like it was mm-hmm. it was a tougher race it was about an hour and a half uh shorter than the 50 mile but for me like all the 50ks i've done like i've done benny he and then i did another one in Scotland, Ultra X, they were more like three hour 40, three hour 50 races. Oh, wow. Which is not very long, but this is like over five hours, you know, is definitely an ultra um, for me. But like, I didn't think the five hour sort of 5.05 was possible. I thought I was aiming more for about 5.20, 5.30. Um, wow. Yeah, because I think the course record was like 5.18 or 5.19. So I kind of assumed that I would not be quite at that kind of pace and um but like i'm really happy with it because i don't think i've had a very good ultra race um like the 50 mile was it was all right but it was yeah it was it was a slog towards the end and i didn't feel competitive in any way whereas at least this like the legs were there most of the way it was just there were a couple of little things but like i mean john is a total machine so even with it maybe not going absolutely perfectly to be that close to him and at least competitive for so long i think was was a good result Absolutely. I think it's an amazing result. I mean, so second place behind John, who John himself is a world champion. Is that right? He's, yeah, he's uh, like a world champion, world like obstacle course. I think he's. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see that. Yeah. Lot, but, yeah. My, the favorite good, bit of the like, comment. Yeah. 
I was going to say the favorite bit of the commentary, which is a bit demeaning to you, but they were saying you were like Robbie Simpson, like international class, world, uh, sorry, Commonwealth uh, medalist on the road, roadrunner against John Alban. He's a, and the, the description was like basically adventurer, adventure racer, like hobby joker. <laughs> it really was quite demeaning to him, but the guy's an animal. But yeah, second place, and you, you took 15 minutes off the course record. John was a, a, a couple of minutes in front. So I think it's an incredible result. Thanks. Yeah, no, it did, did feel like a good race and stuff, but it's kind of funny though how they're it's like, oh, you know, roadrunner and stuff. It's like, yeah, I've been doing like mountain races for <laughs> 15 years. Like, that's, yeah. I've, I've done five road marathons, I think. <laughs> I, I found that hilarious that they seem to they seem, they seem to have you pegged as the roadrunner. One of them, I mean, one of the there was a girl on the the commentary. Who I think actually might have had some affiliation with Terex, but she was keeping them right. But the the bloke at one stage says, "Oh, it's gonna be really interesting to see how Robbie fares on the mountains." Like, <laughs> so you do do your research, man. Come on. I know because Corinne, like, yeah, she was there and like she knows like yeah a lot more about what I've done and stuff, but. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's always stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they don't always, it's just difficult, I guess, to do kind of research on everybody in the race. But um, yeah, roadrunner, apparently. Yeah. A roadrunner. <laughs> but, well, a roadrunner who can, who can rock up and finish second at OCC is, is amazing. Um, and it's, that's really interesting to hear how sort of roller coaster it was in terms of how you felt and the difficulty. And, and I was going to ask you about the feeling you've already um, answered that, but in, in terms of, so, you know, 56 K race, massive amount of vert, uh, really hot, really competitive field. Part of that, the UTMB circus. I mean, is there anything that anything that, you, that surprised you about the race? Anything you anything that was really unexpected from it? Well, it was kind of strange going into it from doing shorter distances because I haven't done many races that long. But just how comfortable, like I expected people to start off absolutely crazy pace because you ran through this town, even a slightly downhill start for the first K, and it was just really relaxed. It was great. It was just running like the first hour in a big group, nice and comfortably. And um, I think that's the problem, though, is because it feels like I could have run way harder in that first hour, but then I would have been even worse at the end. But it's just, it does surprise you, like how it's, yeah, like you, you, people do run just a lot slower at the start and you have to be prepared for that and not, um, yeah, not get too carried away and think you're in amazing shape because you can keep up. <laughs> yeah. That's, in, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's interesting, I guess, dis- that sort of... I mean, and the altitude, how high did the race get to in the end? Is that... I mean, you've been out there for a while, but ending on the altitude, how was that? Yeah, I mean, it only got up to about 2,000 metres, I think. And okay. I noticed that the first time I ran there in training, I could only be out for a few days, and I definitely felt it. But, like, when I was doing the race, that was the best part of the course for me, was the high-up stuff. Like, it just felt really good there. And um, they didn't feel any different being at 2,000 metres than being, like, yeah, at the bottom of the mountains... And it was just a little bit cooler as well and drier. So, like, yeah, I felt great high up. Um, yeah, definitely makes a difference going out early. Nice. One thing that I thought was really cool as well is uh, we see, obviously, you're you're a part of the Terex team, one of the lead Terex, Adidas Terex athletes now. And I remember when I was out there with Kyle a couple of years ago, and we, we saw a lot of the – it was really cool to see these teams floating around. Uh, what was that experience like being part of a team? Because it, it looks to be, you know, you guys have got – athletes in all races we saw um, one of your teammates do really well in the in the ccc we saw a bunch uh utmb what was that like as being part of that sort of team big team uh at the utmb week that was amazing i think that was the best part to be honest was just having like having the team around like even in the training up till then 
just having guys to run with and just chat with and just mess around with for ages. And then when it got to the race, like seeing everyone get serious and stuff. But then because we were racing on different days, like you could be out cheering on people. And like when I was running, there were people all around the course and stuff. And that was cool. And then at the finish and then like the next day we were out cheering for like CCC. And it's just really good to see because like the guys are super nice. And um, like after having got to know everyone like over the last weeks, like you're just really keen to see them do well and stuff. So it was really fun. And we were like out waiting in the dark, like for people on that last descent just like waiting, like, oh, when they're going to come in, what position they're going to be and stuff. And then like sprinting into the line to try and see them at the finish, um, like get get to the finish before them to like cheer them coming in. So it was really good. And like they looked after us so well, like Terex, like they had a big chalet for us and chefs. Oh, and nice. Oh, wow. Hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, that is cool. Yeah. And of course, your teammate, was it Petter Engdahl? He was just behind yeah. you as well. So that must have been pretty cool for the two of you to both be on the podium. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome because, like, he had some sort of issues, like, earlier in the trip, like, a bit of an injury and just a really bad race as well and stuff. So, like, he he wasn't that confident, but, like, he had a really good race, like, his best race for a long time. So, to see him, like, top three, like, the two of us there, it was I think it was really good. And I think also the team put a lot into it, like, Terex invested in it and everything. And I just felt like we needed to to run well to kind of show it was worth it. And, um it, yeah, it was absolutely 100%. Um, like what they did just helped helped us perform well. And like, it's tough though when it comes to UTMB because I think that is, after having seen it, it's just horrible. Like it's just a death march. Seeing those people after like 20 hours slogging it up, up those climbs. And um, so some of the guys did drop out, which was a shame, but like the ones that did finish, like we're really happy with how it went, so. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, a shame Kyle wasn't was unable to jump on today because the thing, I mean, he knows better than anyone. But I know myself, having watched these people at that sort of, it doesn't matter what time the race is when they're done, they're done, and it's it it's I I can't, I can't get my head around it. But having so for you, having won the OCC now, have you got and you've been part of that festival? What are you thinking now? Is there is that is going longer? Something you'd like to do, or are you looking to go back to OCC? Do you even want to go back to UTMB Festival? What's the what are you thinking with regard to this that massive race week? Um, I think it was good fun, and I definitely like to go back. So I would think about CCC. I think a hundred k is still is still a good running race, and it's still like competitive, like directly competitive. It's not just survival. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have to see. I might do like a longer race later in the year or early next year, just to see that I can do maybe another fifty miler, and then if that goes well, then I would think about doing like yeah, hundred k. But the actual UTMB, like I cannot emphasize enough how much I don't want to do it. And, like it, it sounds great and everything. And for anyone like who loves doing ultras and has never done anything like that, just just don't do it. Like it's it's mental. It is just so so tough. And like to give you some idea of how people are going, like we were watching Triant, which is like it's only I think by then you've done about seventy, but no, eighty miles, more than eighty that's miles. What, that's so the thing, church, right? Yeah, the pink, yeah, yeah, no, and we, yeah, walked, yeah. we walked up that climb. So I was knackered from the race and super slow. Me and Ginny and Petter, we walked up this climb slowly. And we were with the 20th place guy, roughly 18th to 20th. And we kept overtaking him. And then we had to like stop because otherwise we we're going to pass him. And we thought, we can't pass him. Like that'll be so demoralizing. But then we did pass him and we were like 15 minutes quicker walking than he was oh walking up the hill in the race. But I mean, he was still going well. Like that was a good split, but he was just so broken because he'd been out there already like 18 hours running through the night eating like gels. And you just think, 
why would you put yourself through? Like, it's so impressive that people do it, but it's just, I think it's so different to a running race, like where you're doing, you're running fast and you're like running quick splits and it's done in like a day. But when you've run through the night and it's just, I don't know, it's just keeping going and keeping going. And it's, it's really impressive, but it's very, very different. And I think like, I can see like when Kyle did it, I was like, oh, you know, that was a really tough run. But having seen it now, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was what impressed me most when Kyle did it is is the strength of the willpower to keep going. And it, I mean that. In that and yeah. uh, I remember in Valencia, he was in he was in a bad way, and and even Trent, he was in a bad way. But you know, he to get himself off the chair in the aid station and go back out there when people are just DNFing all over the place, it's a hell of an effort. And it's yeah, I, uh, I, I'm 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 going to keep this recording just just so in like in five years time when when you tore the line at UTMB, we've got this this evidence British to say, hey, <laughs> you said you were going to do it now. Nah, nah, I don't think there's any danger of that. Like, I would love to do maybe go up to a hundred mile, but something that's way more runnable. Like, it's mm-hmm. just so tough. It's all like just how good you are with poles and stuff as well, and just yeah, that's another thing entirely. But it's for me, it's not. It's so, so different to doing like a 50k runnable race or something like Sierra's and Al. It's almost like a different sport. So mm-hmm. it's quite impressive seeing people do well at both. Yeah. And of course, I don't know if you, if you saw, even bumped into Meryl Cooper at all while she was there, but she did great. She had a great run at CCC and we watched a lot of that. And that looks to be still, as you still, as you say, still runnable enough, but it's still a big, it's a big effort, the, the 100k uh, CCC. Yeah, that's a big day still. And yeah, she ran really well. I saw her before the start and she wasn't feeling that confident and, and things like that and some niggles, but like I think she did really well. I mean, I think she was a bit disappointed with her time and various things like that. But overall, like to finish the position she did. Yeah. Yeah. And she had like a sprint finish at the end and everything. Um and managed to win that. And I think that's it's a really good result. Like it's it's maybe not exactly as fast as she wanted to be or whatever, but it was. I was really impressed with that um, mm. that run. Yeah, and that was really good. So, what is next then for you? You mentioned a couple of things, maybe a, a longer race later in the year. What's the um, maybe think about something longer even next year? What what? How do you see the next six to twelve months shaping out? Um, yeah, we'll see. I want to see if I would recover well from this because like it's gone quite well the last few races. So. I don't want to ask like too much of myself in terms of getting back out to race before I'm ready, but um, I'd like to do something longer in October. Um, Le Templier, I went to try and do um, okay. two years ago and got cancelled on the morning of the race because of bad oh, weather. Oh, yes. So maybe have another go at that. That's about 80k and um, it's, I think, similar elevation to OCC, but it's just spread over longer. So it's a bit faster, um, shorter climbs. Yeah. So that's October. Okay, interesting. And that's uh and, and that's very good. Anything in Scotland? Anything you see on the Scottish uh uh calendar that you might have a crack at? Highland Fling or something next year, maybe? If it happens, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Like the, the thing is it's hard to do a lot of races like that. I probably wouldn't want to do more than about two or three long races a year. Mm, okay. So it's like if you're gonna do them, like if something works as like a training run, maybe like a 50k, that's all right. But I think if you're gonna run like 50 miles, you probably want to save it for like a really big international somewhere and then try and yeah try and run something like i'm trying to think something in the states maybe or like ccc and things but i'd be like i know if there's something in the uk that works that'd be great but it's just so few races you can do you kind of have to make sure you choose the right ones um mm. don't end up doing like 10 ultra races a year <laughs> so. yeah yeah fair enough i guess yeah you got like the body recover 
and la- so lastly then with these with these races coming up what's your biggest learning you've taken from the from uh from the OCC um well yeah you just have to do a lot of preparation like not I don't mean training as such because yeah like I've always been training but it's just the other stuff it's like thinking about what you're going to do in the aid stations thinking how much you're going to be eating all those things like you I just turn up and run normally you just pin on a number <laughs> start at the start run as fast as you can to the finish but there's all this other stuff you have to do just for like yeah how much do I have to drink in this time like where am I going to get the next like drop bag if you have drop bags and just doing all that preparation to know that you can definitely make it to the end um because like the fueling is so important and yeah and pacing and everything so it's just really doing your homework and I think when it comes to pacing like knowing roughly when you should be expected in some point so you don't start off like an idiot and run like mm run your marathon sort of effort for the first hour and a half and then realize you still got like seven hours left and then crawl in home. So you just need to do a lot more research, I think, um, which is been a yeah. bit of an eye <laughs> I guess that's where, uh, yeah, I guess, the, I'm, I'm, I think it was Dave Andrews one that said, the further you go, the further you go, the more prep you have to do, which is which sounds stupid, but it's, uh, I guess it, it makes sense, particularly when you're, you know, you, you do, as you say, you do need to think about the fueling and all that. Um, and I, we were watching the coverage. It amazed me how many, particularly in the UTMB, a couple of guys who led after, who were leading after even like 12, maybe not 12 hours, but like eight hours, they can, it can just, it can curtain suddenly because they've just either not eaten enough, they've not, they've, they've paced it poorly. And that's a long way to come back in. Okay, U, UTMB is a big one, but 50K, 100K and on those terrains and that vert, it's, it's, uh, it's hellish. It's hellish. Yeah, totally. Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the, the message from kids from Robbie Simpson, road runner and now uh, OCC runner. Do not run these uh, UTMB races. Well, Robbie, thank you, thank you for joining. We've been uh, it's been great to hear from you straight after the race, and uh, we'll keep an eye out and see what you're up to for the this, if this race in October happens. Look forward to keeping an eye on how that goes. But uh, otherwise, hope the recovery continues well. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. In fact, I'm looking forward to seeing you come through Paris this weekend. Yeah, cheers. It'll be good to catch up. And yeah, thanks for thanks for talking to me. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Well, enjoy the pizza. Uh, say hi to Jenny and we'll speak soon. Cheers. See ya. Cheers. Thanks, Robbie. Bye. Thank you so much, Robbie, for coming on Tartan Running Shorts for, you know, this must be your fourth or fifth time now. It's uh, <laughs> brilliant. You know, you're, you're you're one of the ambassadors of TRS now. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sad to not not be able to chat chat away with you, Robbie, but I was uh, tired. I was up. working. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I took advantage of a day off to speak to Robbie in the afternoon. So Kyle is, is very much uh, excused for being at work, bringing him some bacon. Oh well, there you go. I was I was baking banana bread tonight. Uh, not for me, for Logie. But Logie was baking it. I mean, I was just he was help. He was helping. He was he was. Uh, I was helping. No, he was helping me bake it. Really, you know, he was. Uh, the, he's a baker of the family. Um, but anyway, so what, well, that was so, well, we talked about Robbie. UTMB. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to finish off the UTMB now. Some of the results we had: uh, Meryl Cooper. What a fantastic run she had in the the CCC, sixth place. So let's let's just put some context for listeners. So Robbie was in the OCC, which starts in Orsier, I think it is, which Orsier, which is uh, which is a bit effectively like you're. It's a forty-five kilometer run. So what is it like uh, a quarter of the UTMB essentially, yeah. the last quarter yeah. of the course. 
Then the CCC is starting in Courmayeur, which is and it's in the Italian side of Mont Blanc, and it's the so it's the second half of the UTMB coming from Courmayeur all the way around through to uh, through to Chamonix. And then of course you've got there's various other races, but then we'll we'll also talk about the UTMB itself, which Kyle did the monster that is the UTMB, mind-boggling race that you that Kyle incredibly managed to run last last time, and that is the full circuit. So starting in Chamonix, all the way around through Contamine, Courmayeur, Champilac. Uh, Trient, Valassine, etc., finishing in Chamonix. So it's the full lap. So you've got these different races all really on the same course. So Merrill was, Robbie was in the OCC, second, incredible. Merrill then starting and finishing the CCC were, as Kyle says, an incredible sixth place. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll try and get Merrill on the show to chat about her experience next week. And the, the other standout performance... Not and this this goes to the UTMB, uh, the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, which is the full run, uh, the hundred, what is it, hundred and four miler, something like that. Uh, something like that, yeah, the hundred seventy k. It's uh, I've got it in front of me here. It is hundred seventy oh. kilometers. Yeah. So um, you, know, you know the CCC is ninety nine point five k. Round it? take them round the block. Seriously, right. round I, that up to hundred k. <laughs> <laughs> do what I do, yeah. You know, advertise that your race is a hundred k and make it a hundred and seven k, and and also give him a lap around the hotel at the start, just to just for shits and gigs. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted you on the on your talking about Francois on the UTMB thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that he's had so many. That's an at fourth, I think, his fourth win of the UTMB now. So that's. I, in, in my opinion, cements him as one of the, the legends of ultra trail running as well um, to, to win that for the fourth time. Um, and uh, not, I mean, Courtney DeWalter, that's... What? Unreal. She, she takes place overall. First female, obliterated the course record, 22 and a half minute, uh, hours. And um, I think there's been, to be, to be honest, I think, you know, that sort of time has has been very close to the victory in in previous years so like, I mean, obviously the conditions pay you know a, a huge dividend in terms of how well your race goes and performances and times and stuff but i mean i when i ran the year i two years ago i i was i think i was at 40 50 k in and she zooms past me i remember that yeah and I remember saying to you, Tommy, at the aid station, Courtney just <laughs> past me. Jesus Christ. Like, right, well, the, the aid station before that, you were desperate to know if you, how far you checked you were. Little <laughs> yeah, did we know, little did we know that that would be the least of your worries. <laughs> oh, God. But I mean, yeah. But that, you know, that kind of result there just shows that, I, you know, that the gap between male and female top distance elite running is, is I think it's, it's getting shorter and it's narrowing. So, yeah, I think the longer you go, I think the longer you go, the gap definitely. I, remember I was listening to a yeah. science and sport podcast a few weeks ago, and sort of physiologically, they were talking about how the longer you go, the gap really does shorten. And it's not going to be, I mean, as you say, there's on a different, maybe, you, t- you know, she was sick overall, different days. She suddenly, you know, could be uh, challenging there for the win. She's um, yeah. absolutely I mean, you amazing. At, you also look up in the ultra scene, like Beth Pascal, um, mm-hmm. you know, she was well up in the Western States race. and Yeah. Uh, she didn't have to UTMB. Well, yeah, she did. Yeah, I don't know how or why, but do you know? Uh, I think she was just done. They were talking yeah. about it was interesting. A lot of the lot of the athletes who'd done, including Jim Walms, a lot of the athletes who'd done the Western States really didn't fare well. He had a bit of a nightmare, uh, Jim, and he but he'd said by his own means 
Um, he was in a bad way. He, he's, he's limped around the UTMB before. He's like, I don't need to do a tour just for the sake of it. So he sort of dropped out. So I don't know if Beth was in a similar, similar state, but she was well up there when she dropped out. But I mean, to, I mean having done Western States, uh, that must be, if you're on a rough day, that must be such a hard place to get mentally to get around. Well, you, oh, you, I mean, you know how deep you have to dig on a when it gets when it bites. Yeah, well, well, you know, I suppose linking that in with you know some of the you know the gap narrowing in terms of the male and female and the distance side of things. Uh, one one race that stood out was Antrim Coast. Oh, the the world record held. What was you again? You were you were watching this as well. Um, did you did you watch that yourself, Tommy boy? I did indeed. So that was live on BBC Ireland, actually. So fortunately, I was able to watch that from a long run. And it was a, I mean, it was a quick day by the looks of it. It's a, it's a great course. We've talked about that before. Um, and this time, I guess the difference was they really assembled in the, in the women's field, a, a really, uh, a really sharp field. So it was, pardon my pronunciation here, Yalmzer, Yalmzer, Yehola. I think I've got that right. And she yeah. was, uh, so she wrote 63.43, which is the first time a woman's ever gone under 64 minutes, taking 19 seconds. Yeah, taking 19 seconds off uh, yeah. Ch- uh, Ruth Chetnagetz, um world record, which was set earlier in the year. And it, it's just incredible. And she was running with a group of men. She beat, I mean, she beat Stephen, Stephen Scullion. Scullion. She beat Scullion, exactly. It was really and incredible. Ali as well. And, I, and, you know, it was just amazing. And it really, that you're right the gap there i mean again the men are getting quicker but the women are getting even quicker so the gap is definitely narrowing on the men's side it was really interesting actually as well because you had um it was a group of four it got whittled down to it was jamal yimmer who won in the end in one hour and 28 seconds but mark scott was in the mix you know look at one point he was going to go under under the hour but um what one one hour and 35 minutes Th- yeah. 35 seconds yeah, yeah. 35 seconds it, yeah four, 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 so great five seconds between the top four runners but it, it was great, and you've got so uh, the coverage was really good this year. Actually, and I, I heard last year it was a bit patchy, but it was really good. And actually, while well, maybe there's a couple of things I was going to mention before we get to, I'll do it now while we're talking about it. There was actually a uh, it was great to see some Scottish results in there. So Dougie Selman was running. He was the when you look at the elite field, that was the first Scottish name I see. Dougie was a small PB and yeah, Johnny Brown was running. I think. And was he? Yeah. Ah, right. He's not. So he must yeah. not be in the elite field then. He he's be shown as being in, in England, which is re- ah, that's why I thought of it. Uh, ah, he's not in England. What did yeah, he run running. Uh, sorry, not running. Ryan. Ah, wow. Is also shown as being in England. No idea why. Uh, One oh six as well. Um, who else have we got in there? I saw a couple other names. Um, Conan McCockey. McCoffey. Ah, yeah, Conor McCockey, yeah, Central AC, yeah. 106, yeah. But he's, I think he's uh, Northern Irish anyway, so that would make sense. But okay. one of the best, really top performances by um, by some of those. I actually thought Dougie ran 106 something. I'm not sure if it's just. Yeah, so did I. I thought he, was, he ran a few, yeah. These results maybe a bit provisional results. Time, maybe. maybe. It might be gone, actually, yeah. Maybe just but, took a, just a, you know, gave a, a few folks some head starts, you know. Tommy Hughes, one twelve. Tommy Hughes. Ah, that must is probably another world record, is it, for his age group? I'm, do. I'm, I'm not sure. I, don't, I think he was maybe a bit quicker last year. I need to check. But Fanula Ross, uh, we know from from running over here, uh, one thirteen ten. That's a great run from her. Um, I actually thought I saw uh, Chris Richardson there, uh, but it's Chloe <laughs> Richardson. <laughs> so, which, that's a uh, that would be what, a hard. 
That'd be a hard day, that I tell you. But in in the masses, I mean, again, picking out some some Scottish names. You had James Dunn, Christophan, one of seven twenty nine. Um, yeah, big contingent were out there from uh, Canvas Lang, which is pretty cool. I should also give a shout out to someone I don't know because he joined since I left the club. But Alan Christie, Metro Aberdeen, one one eleven oh seven. I think his chip might have been one ten fifty actually, from what I've heard on the grapevine, which is really impressive. Um, I believe he's doing London actually. Uh, who else have we got from a Scottish perspective as I scroll through those? Yeah, Christopher and Andrew Ferguson, 113.42. East Kilbride AC's Grant Bailey, 114.12. Um, Finley Finley, 114.25. Well done, Finley that. Finley. Boom. Boom. It's quicker with those TRS shorts if they were exactly the fastest bright the yellow gusset in the, in the oh. West. Jeez, and then uh, a few others. I'll just stick to. I'll finish this page and I'll stop. Got uh, Craig Shields, Gosh Cube, one fourteen forty. Ian Hodge, Canvas Lang, one fourteen fifty four. Uh, and that's just inside the top hundred. So really cool to see a big Scottish contingent go over. And I saw Canvas Lang had a team photo with Mo, who was on the commentary, which is that's uh, class. That's so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I, I was really. I've got to say, I, I was watching it and I was feeling a bit uh, sorry for myself. I was so gutted not to make it um because it looked it's a great looking event it really is now stand out on the calendar and i think next year i'll definitely try and get over um yeah. in fact, i was messaging james mcelroy yesterday afternoon um and he's uh he was very pleased how it went so i'm hoping yeah. we might try and get him on trs soon to get a wee round up that'd be great yeah because we obviously had him on a couple of months ago so uh and, and one final shout out for me is uh you know a guy i'm i'm supporting uh in terms of his training is Keith Black, so he got a great time, 124.19, he's been trading, sorry, that's a lie, 124.08, because that's his chip, that's his gun time, the the 19 there, so yeah, 124.08 for Keith Black, so great run by him, he's been training like a demon, so yeah, congrats to Keith. Before before we move on, we're, we're higgledy-piggledy tonight, and there's two things Higgledy, I want to talk about. It's too much to, it's, it's like a pick and mix, this. Eh? It, it's crazy. We're just jumping from one subject to another. So we're going to jump on the 24-hour world record in a minute, which was crazy. But before we do that, it made me think of something I want to, I want to speak to you about. Now, I was looking at photos of the 100K ACP. Am I, I right in saying you lined up in a pair of next percent? That's right. That's right. right. What happened? But I mean, you were all set for the alphas about six uh, days beforehand. I, I, I got a pair, eh? So I wore them. <laughs> But why, why did you change? You said on, on the Monday of the race week, you said you were going to wear alphas. What happened? Uh, do you know what? I just, I, I just got a little bit like, uh, I don't know. They, were, they, look, they just look like you're wearing, they just look like too clumpy and clunky. And I think I, I, think I did the right thing, though. I, I think you did. I mean, I... I, 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 yeah, I had a pair anyway. I was like, I haven't even ah, worn Ah, you had a pair. Okay, fair enough. I'm not, I haven't even worn them. Like, I haven't worn I'm not going to because, you know, I'm a cheapskate. I don't want to... Your cheapskate owns a pair of alphas and vaporflies. <laughs> Heavily discounted, I must say. I, I, I searched high and low for the best uh, the best deal you could get on them. And uh, there's no... I've never... I can still vouch that I've never spent over £200 for, on a shoe yet. Uh, Very good. Uh, you were... I was I was looking at the photos and I was, I could, I was thinking... I know, I know, Chris. I know, I know, Chris was the next percent, and I was looking at the pictures, and I'm thinking that is the same shoe Kyle's got on, and I, I and I was thinking to myself, he was so so sure on the alphas, but that makes okay. sense if you owned a pair already. I thought you must, I thought you'd gone out and bought a pair, no, specifically no, in the week before. Okay, they, they were. I didn't. I was still going to wear them, but they came a little bit earlier, so I just shoved them right. on off a pop day. So, uh, 
I think it so was that right. okay. I think it was definitely the right call. I, I know one of the reasons I asked I was, I was listening to a very interesting podcast the other day about called Shoe Geeks, and they talk about um, these Aussie boys part inside running, and they talk about oh, inside, yeah, they've got a wee shoe geek. Uh, it's excellent, oh. but they, anyway, they were doing a big alpha next percent comparison. They were talking about how Kim Chogi, if you wanted want his opinion, he prefers the next percent when you're going to have some a lot of accelerations because it's got that response and a bit of zip to it. But if he's doing something like a world record where he's just at a constant pace, not really changing pace much, he prefers the alpha because it's it, you can you don't you don't have to worry about that sluggish response when you're trying to pick it up. Um, he also said if you're if you're doing a lot of corners, he, apparently he prefers to go because he wore the next percent in the Olympic marathon, Kipchoge, uh, because he felt with all the turns and the tight corners that there might be occasions to pick up the pace and maybe the race pace might change a bit so he went next percent and it's quite they were they were quite uh i've never run in the the alpha so i can't i can't comment but they were saying that that's how they they felt uh it was a pretty fair review of it um so yeah to give give that a, a listen listen if you want that's a really interesting we, we uh, were, section the London marathon we were gonna we we're gonna do a we collab with them but they they got mm. caught. I think, uh, that's right yeah we almost did that yeah but we'll, we'll definitely get them we get do them that would be good get a wee collab going as well no doubt so the problem is though listening i came off that podcast wanting to buy every pair of shoes that there is and just try them all and <laughs> actually one i did a session last week we'll come to training at the end but i did a session on the track on the weekend and i was in uh, my boston's boston nine flat i love it it's a really nice shoe to run in it's you really feel the track it's it, it's, a, it's a cool shoe but i was um today i was i was in in paris and i wandered into the adidas store and uh i was looking at the boston 10 that's a monster. Like for me, the Boston's always been a shoe that is, it's a flat with a bit of, co- a good bit of cushion on it, but it's still a pretty stripped back shoe. It's, it's you wouldn't say it's a, um, by any means, a, a big cush, but they've put, they've totally revolutionized it or changed it. And they've put this monster stack on it and it's got some That's energy yeah. rods through it. And it's, yeah. it just does not look like a Boston anymore. And I, I was, anyway, I found myself very tempted to, to try it. But the problem is, if I was at a local running shop, which I, I'm going to go to a local running shop to, to have a, sh- a try, that would probably be fine. But I'm pretty sure, like Adidas store in Paris, they're not going to like. <laughs> I don't think a. I suspect they don't have a treadmill. And B. There's no way they're going to let me sort of tear it up and down the Champs Elysees. Uh, tear, tear, tear is that a carbon shoe? This, this well, it's got these rods, carbon rods in it. Actually, I need to. You know, I, I'm actually. Um, we need to ask someone like Robbie Simpson, who's Robbie being an Adidas athlete. I'm sure he knows. A bit more, but on the Boston, because they've got um, the midsole, there's a chunk out of it in the bottom, which is asking for a stone to get jammed in it. By the way, it was oh, my right. first thing thinking like about those it. on shoes. You see the state of them, buddy. Oh, yeah, I'll bet they do that. Always taking stones into the house. But you can see the you can because they've got the midsole chunk removed. You can see these energy rods going through that, and they're quite they look quite chunky. So I'm very intrigued. It might be it could. I'm quite intrigued because I've always had the issues with the plate that I think it my knees are a wee bit. I doesn't like instability, and when I'm my hips are not in good shape, and it, it, and which I need to get the hips sorted. That's the first thing, or the glutes, sorry. But it's, uh, I, I worry that the plate is snapping me back in, which is putting a load across the knee. Whereas the, the energy rods, I don't know. I'm probably overthinking it, but I, I just want to try a new shoe. Let's be quite honest. Aye, I like. It. Well, let's. Uh, any any manufacturers, suppliers out there, if you want to sponsor TRS, we'll uh, we'll give an on, honest, unbiased review of your shoes. Fire them to, to Paris and Costa del Afford, eh? The Vale of Afford. 
So let's go back on track. So the next bit of news that we had before we get to results was the the 24-hour world record went on the weekend. And it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. 197 miles? 190, was it 309k? Whatever that is. What's that? No, 308.8k he's ran. So what's that in... Miles, I have no idea, but I, I'm sure I'd read it in miles. Uh, I'm sure it was because I because when I was when I was speaking to Fiona about it, she she made the comment. Surely, 200 uh two, 200 miles will be the next. It will be the next sub two marathon. Twenty four hour. Uh, run he's basically. Record. Uh, I mean, this guy Giannis Kouros was is a, had the current world record for the twenty four hour event in three hundred three kilometers, and he. And and people were saying this will never get beaten, or it'll be a long time until this record is is beaten. And this this guy, uh, what's his name, Alexander Sorokin of Lithuania, he's 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 beaten it by five kilometers, which is quite so a hundred ninety two miles for our imperial listeners. So basically, he's going. He's almost twelve hour doing two 12-hour 100 miles. So he did, to put that into context, that's seven 29-minute miles or four 39-minute kilometers if you're listening. And I saw a really interesting take on it. It's back-to-back three fifteen marathons. Jesus. Like, that is bonkers. That is, uh, I would love to see the splits. I haven't seen, I haven't looked hard enough. It may be available somewhere, maybe even Strava, but I'd love to see the splits to see um, how, but anyway, so he did it on a, a tent, a, it was a, a lap, a paved Lap 1.07 miles per lap. Yeah, um, right. uh, so he's been doing laps of around 74, 744, 755. So that's what's that? That's 100. Meters. He's doing about 720 per mile, 729, 729 a mile for 24 hours. Jesus Christ, that's it's crazy. Um. And it's just it's just so much has impressed me this weekend. I mean that that so many things that my mind is blown by. My mind's blown by that. My mind's blown by the uh, a woman the the women's world record half marathon sub sixty four minutes. Um, you know I was blown away by what we saw from Courtney DeWalter at the UTMB. It's, uh, but this one is, uh, I mean again who who is this guy? I, I guess he's obviously known on the scene, and as someone who's oh, not. Yeah, uh, so he- yeah, he, he broke the 100-mile world record. Uh, you know the Centurion Track 100? That was on earlier in the year. Um, so he, he broke that record, uh, which was held by, oh, what's his name? Um, the American guy, Zach Bitter. Oh, yeah, uh, big Zach. 1104, 1109, I think. Ah, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah. I do remember yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, so he was... Uh, He's now got the hundred mile record and the the hundred um sorry the twenty four hour yeah uh, he he did he actually did the same event last year but he did the hundred k and he ran six forty three so he's a he's a clearly a talented runner in all ultra distances so yeah pretty amazing he's in a pair he's in, this photo that I've got of him is at the event which I think it is he's wearing a pair of alphas for the record oh, just, just 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 uh, I know that's the question on everyone's lips these days. I, I was I, yeah I was trying to figure out what he was wearing in his shoes. Well, if he's wearing alphas, then if yeah, I'm that's the, that's an alpha. Look at the heel, and then look at the pod on the forefoot. That's definitely an alpha. Yeah, what are you looking at? What is it? Uh, I'm on the I'm on an I run far article. 
Ah, okay. I'm I'm on fast running. Ah, see, an article than you. Well, there there you go. Um, so well, let's let's drop down the distance, eh? Um, and well, why why don't we start with uh with with you? Start with the Speyside Way. Well, give us it from a race director and a race result perspective. I mean, from a race director perspective, it's uh, you know, it's it's always a challenge to organise races of of your own because you. you being a perfectionist that I am, you, you would you think that I'm not, but um, in terms of event organizing, you know, it's it's something that the moment that gun goes, you can't stop them. You know, that, that's it. They're going. You make sure your your route's marked, well marked. You've got the volunteer, the marshals in place, um, and uh, you know, and the results all set up. And it's uh, yeah, it's a lot lot to organize, but it's but it went really really well. I'm delighted by you know the the number of runners taking part. The number of volunteers who you know helped marshal, help set up the registration start line, finish line, goodie bags, um, it was just it went it went like clockwork. There was a few there was a few snagging elements of it, but just absolutely you know fantastic. What a day we had! Um, so basically, the Space Way Ultras we had it's part of the Murray Way Ultra series, and uh, it's the second one of the year. We had the Murray Coastal Fifty, which was on June the day after Lennox was born. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 100-kilometre race started in Aviemore and finished, meandered its way through uh, uh, along the along the river, the River Spey, um, into Bucky. That was 100 kilometres, 5 a.m. in the morning. And then straight away, let's get the van all packed up, head towards Cragginmore, drop off the aid station, the goodies, and... Um, and, and the race, the 35 mile, the classic one that's been organized and been run by for, for many years now, uh, that started at 7 a.m. We just had a shy of 100 runners taking part, which was, wow. we had, um, interestingly though, we had about 145 runners uh, entered and uh, there was a lot of DNSs, you know, which, which surprises me. A lot of people had, you know, obviously, you know, they, they mentioned and, and, and he messaged me to say they couldn't make it, uh, which is for whatever reason. But I, I thought it was it was a bit of a high, it was a bit of a high dropout rate, and, and mm. I don't know if that's if that's maybe something that's just thirty percent. Yeah, that is high. Yeah, yeah, which is maybe happening throughout throughout some of the races. You know, people you know entering and, and maybe just haven't had the training, or you know, and obviously COVID's on the rise again, which is something else that could be that could be causing it as well so yeah lot, lots of um lots of different you know lots of different reasons potentially uh but yeah so well let's start off with the 100 kilometer race so we yeah like i said we had the 100 kilometer race and uh our our winner was um we had jamie pallister so jamie pallister who also won the um he also won the Murray Coastal 50. So that was a, a great win by him, a course record in nine hours and 36 minutes. And uh, second place is Jonathan Gamble, nine hours and 43 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, quite only six minutes in it. And then two minutes behind was our, uh, our third place, Andrew Smith, in nine hours and 45 minutes. So our winning female and also fourth overall was... Uh, Jacqueline McIntyre, great run from her, 10 hours and 28 minutes. And uh, your second place late lady was Sarah Scarf, 12 hours and 39 minutes. And third place was Ilsa Carno, 
in 13 hours and 22 minutes. So that was your winners for the, the 100K. And in your 35-mile race, you had your overall winner was Andy Bryce, uh, 3 hours 59. So it's actually a course record because it's a new course. So wow. Because um, we had to change, we changed the course slightly so that it would follow the, the original Speyside Way again um, last mm. year. It went to the right. I think there was a you know the the bridge or something was closed many years ago, and uh, we we've kind of reverted it back to the the original again since it's all all ready to go. Um, so yeah, great run by Andy uh, Grant. Jeans was at it again uh, after his run at um, the Anglo Celt. Well, the 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 hundred the hundred k race, the Anglo Celtic plate. Did he go out? Did he go out like in like the a steam train again? Well, he was. I think he was leading for the the first, you know, the first section of it. And um, you know, when I I saw him in Fockerbers, which is the sort of mile twenty four point, which is only what eleven miles to go, and he was just ahead of of Andy. Um, but yeah, I think after that he, he he pulled, he slowed down slightly, but he did. He still wasn't far away from Andy and got the second place and. Four hours and three minutes and thirty nine minutes, uh, and our, uh, you know one of the guys I'm I'm supporting and coaching is Fraser Gormley. He got the third place in four hours and ten minutes and twenty three seconds. So delighted with Fraser's result. Um, great result by him. Billy Gibson was running. Uh, he got the, nice. the, the Colin Barnett was the first male forty. Uh, Billy Gibson was the second male forty and. Uh, and your third male 40 was Robert Henry. And then in terms of the the females, we had Catherine Schneidner, Schneidner uh, who is an uh, American who's living over here, studying at St. Andrews, got the win. Uh, again, course record but for Catherine, and she's a US runner, and four hours and 56 minutes and 26 seconds. And your second place female is... Yana Vidis, uh, first female 40 as well in five hours and seven minutes. And your third female was Joe Grocott in uh, five hours and 22 minutes in second F40 as well. Your third F40 was Jennifer Campbell. And your first, um, sorry, F50 was John Budge, who got five hours and 39 minutes. So there you go. There's... Uh, that's some of the results. Obviously, you can see them on the on the website. A bit, also a big shout out to um, just a couple of folk I want to mention. Their young hearts run free. Friends were big, uh, big Stevie boy. They they call him Stephen Watt was was running, uh, and unfortunately, he took a wee. He did a double a double run up Ben Egan. Uh, he went huh. right instead of left. God knows how he did that, but he did. Uh, so. But anyway, he had a big smile on the on his face, and uh, but it was good to see both John Cassidy and Stephen John Cassidy supporting Stephen in, in the race as well. And uh, and another shout out is Paul Frape, who uh, again is someone I've been helping with the runs, and that was a second second uh, ultra run of the series as well. So yeah, overall it was a brilliant day. Um, I've got you know no complaints. I'm just delighted with the feedback in terms of it being well organised and. I've got to say a massive thank you to the volunteers who helped because without them, we just just simply wouldn't have a race and they were just phenomenal. And 
they, they, you know, hopefully they got a, a, a good sort of uh, a good sort of kick out of it as as much as I did as well. So there you go. Very good. Well, well, well done. Always good to tip of the cap to all you race organisers getting getting people on start lines and bibs on vests, which is great. So as Kyle as Kyle alluded to before, we're going to step down the distances a little bit. Uh, we'll start from from 100k on the the space away. I'm going to drop to 10k in Perth, where we had the Perth 10k. So that was their win for Fergus Roberts from Ockel Hill Runners. Um, Fergus coming home in 31.18, quick time. Essentially sees Callum Phillip was second in 31.28. So blimey, that's tight. That's uh that is uh a big yeah that's the that's the the race time yeah that's oh no sorry 31 18 for the win 31 28 for the second place so 10 seconds in it and then third place was andrew woodruff uh unattached 31 29 so that is tight that's only a second shout out also to fourth place uh matty sutherland central ac 31 56 it's good to see him um mixing it up and also active roots james waldy in what looks to be 10th place 33 34 on the female side, it was a win for Katrina McDonald, Bell Houston Roadrunners in 36-13. Second place was Sheena Logan, a friend of ours who's been on the has not been on the show, but she's had many, many shout-outs. I need to pester Sheena to, to come on at some point. Uh, 36-56, second place. And in third place, it was uh, Sandy McDougall of uh, Dundee Hawks in 38-24 for third female. Brilliant. Some quick times. I think the good the field. Podium, the podium runners there, two of them are traffics anyway. So, uh, mm. yeah, interesting. So we we move on to the Bell Houston Harriers 10K now. Uh, well, it's, you know, again we had God, there's a lot of runners taking part in this one. We had let's see, a total of uh, 240 runners taking part. So that's decent. It's decent to see some big big numbers back in these races. So our winner of the of the race was Duncan Robinson uh, male under he's a he's an under 20 runner so great run by Duncan 31 32 Giffnick North uh, Scott Sterling Central no Falkirk I think is Scott is, is he um 31 38 for the second place and your third place again another under 20 athlete is Ethan Carolan so Carol Carolan Carolan um so that was 31.45 by Ethan, a, a, a Giffnick North uh, runner as well. And then in terms of your, your female side, we had Jenny Bannerman was at it again in, the, in, in another 10K she was racing. Jen, and that was uh, 36.13.19. And Jenny's an Inverness Harrier. Your second place is Rebecca Russell, 39-17. So a good, a big gap between first and second there. And uh Bell Houston Roadrunners. And uh a, a great name. Uh if if Christina Gregg, K. Gregg, 39-33, third place, Bell Houston Harriers as well. Just out of interest. This is maybe maybe I'm being maybe maybe it's just, Bell Houston Harriers and Bell Houston Roadrunners. Are they they're not the same, are they? No, they're different clubs. You've 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 offended many people with that comment. <laughs> we've sure. lost we've lost a bunch of listeners. Please please don't that, judge us on Kyle's uh, the, lack of knowledge about Glasgow based running clubs. That's pretty, that's pretty bad. Since uh, you you know the vest, the vests are quite different. I've made that mistake before, and I've actually made that mistake when I've 
I think I rocked up the Bella Bella Belter and I assumed it was organized by a different club. And I was speaking to some of them. I can't remember which way around it was. I was speaking to a group of athletes in a in one of the fests, thinking you guys done a great job organizing it. It was like this is not a race. Oh, no. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I'm, but it was I'll maybe, maybe take this back the show then, eh? Hi, probably for the best. It was a it was Aye. a weekend of, of 10k, so we've got a couple more. I'll start with the Deckman Trails 10k. So Deckman is the is just a little place just north of uh, the, the race is just north of Livingston, and it's actually for cross country runners amongst you. It's the the trail race is pretty much on the same bit of a uh, bit of land where the where the, the East District cross country is quite often held, uh, either relay form or or the senior champs at at uh, Livingston with that little. Bit on grass and a bit in the woods and stuff. So it's a, tra- a trail race I've not done, but I would like to. But my brother-in-law was was there on the weekend. He he was saying he thoroughly enjoyed it. He sent me a picture of a very nice, um, a standard Scottish uh, trail race goodie bag with a can of Iron Brew and uh, a, a wafer. So very good. And the results, it was a, a win for Jamie Meldrum, unattached, 38-30. Second place was PH Racing Club's Mark Ryan in 39-32. And third place was Ross Meldrum, 41-14. On the female side, it was Kirsten Maxwell of Galaharriers um, for the win in 42-1. She was also sixth overall. Second female was Hazel McCormick, Edinburgh AC in 43-46. And in third place was Louise Turner, Edinburgh Running Network, 48-47. So well done, folks. Good to see people out bashing trails again. Wow. Decent, and uh, and I think the run Bankery one. I think this is maybe a mix of of trail as well as on on the road as well. So some decent results. Maybe maybe not the the, the time of the results. Maybe kind of shy away from the times, but certainly the the you know the people who are taking part. So our man Hamish Battle, uh, Metro Aberdeen, the the Metro the Metro Clan, the Metro Yellow Train. Uh, 36-33 by from Hamish and Paul Knight was second again Metro 37-40 and Carlos Mieto uh, unattached so that's your top three guys and um, top three females you've got Nicola McDonald great run by her Metro Aberdeen 40-27 uh, and then your second place is Laura Sarkis and she was 43-52 she's also first vet, and um, your third place goes to Emma Roberts in 44.25. Now, I'm just going to give a big shout out to some of the, the other veterans in this, you know, this one. Notably, George McPherson. Uh, Legend. Know, first, he's well up there. Uh, he's, he's 42, and, and I, I don't want to call him out in terms of his age, but he's been in that category for you know he's he's not in the early cat section of of that, is he? I think he's a little bit no. further on. Um, George is a metro uh, absolute metro legend. He's been yeah, yeah. Uh, so great run by by yeah. him and Phil Mann as well. You know he's a vet sixty now. He was the second vet sixty, and uh, and also Ian Tom. You know a great run by yes. He's also you know in in the sort of mid range of that category. Uh, so yeah, kudos to you guys for. You know, showing showing the younger folks a clean pair of heels, eh? Indeed, that is that's really cool. That's uh, yeah, that's not a race I've ever done the Bankery ten uh, k, yeah. but I know uh, in a, a decent turnout again. You've got two hundred and twenty runners taking part in that one too. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well done to the the team there getting that on. 
Um, and then the only other thing I was going to mention was obviously I was at the the age group championships as well, and uh, you now I was just what it was great. You know, I haven't been to the national track champs for many a year, and what what a buzz it is, eh? Like what a buzz it is seeing young athletes. Um, and it's such a it's a bit of a different vibe when it comes to when you you know you go to a standard you know road race or even a, a cross country race, but you really do see the sport and, and, you know, poetry in motion when it comes to the combination of coaches, volunteers, officials, you know, the, 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 the facility staff as well. Um, and just all make, you know, not, and obviously, and most importantly, the athletes of all ages and, and the emotions from happiness, excitement, anxiety to, just elation uh it's just uh, it was awesome to watch and, and the, you know in terms of the age groups it was under 13 all the way up to to under 20 champions chatting you know, events that were taking place and and you've you know and then, then it got me thinking you know when you reflect back on some of these championships i mean you think about when the ones that we would have been at there would have been an olympian no doubt or a commonwealth mm. games athlete and, you know, Lauren Muir was taking part in these. So it's amazing to, it's, it's humbling to think that someone who was racing there is going to be hopefully landing an Olympic medal at some point or just, yeah, who knows, eh? You know, it's, and there was some, some amazing results. Some, just one standout ones that I wanted to, to mention. I, I had a, my job was basically to man the assembly area and uh, I, I was also delighted to, to hand out a medal to the under 13 girls shot put. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a, uh, it was it was a, a real honour to to hand it out to some of the the next generation of athletes. Anyway, um, but yeah, like let's let's call yeah. So we had fifteen hundred meters. So that was a great race to watch. Uh, ben Sandylands got an eight eight and fifteen hundred meter double um, in that event, and that was uh, three fifty nine in the fifteen hundred sub four minute clocking, which was impressive in itself and also Fife AC uh you know he Sarah Coots got a 441 there as well and uh yeah 2000 meter steeplechase Callum Little was 636 for that uh Rachel McLennan Georgia Leddingham 1500 meters um steeplechase as well so they were sorry that's a lie Georgia Leddingham won the 1500 meter steeplechase not sure what her time was for that one so but anyway i'm not going to ramble through all the different results but have a look on the scottish athletics website and you you and you can check out the results and there's also some fine footage of the races as well uh so yeah there you go very good well that that is uh that's a nice way to cap off this week's results section so a lot a huge amount going on you know from utmb diamond league age group champs international class half marathons in northern ireland i mean it's what a weekend for it's been for uh, for athletics and running, absolutely amazing. Oh, and I get and how many and I get. Did you, have you done any running in this week? How's your recovery going from the well, from uh, the ACP? The only running I did was running, marking the course on the Friday, Tommy, and, and <laughs> running about on the Saturday. But I must have ran about 12, 12, 13 miles on the on the Friday, and I actually felt fine. Eh? I mean, Good. I felt a little bit a little bit stiff, you know, but it's. Uh, it's definitely, you know, I had a, a good. We, we stayed at uh, Coach Lewis's on at the weekend because he lives right next to um, the the race finish and kind of just chatting uh, chatting about next, you know, what are, what are the next stages and what are the next goals and 
I think I'm set on the 24-hour uh, race in Belfast next month. Uh, not next oh, wow. month. Um, well, it will be next month in two days' time in, in October, this mid, mid-October. Um, and I'm just going to just build on. I, I just I think I'm not going to get, as Lewis said, I'm not going to get it in my head. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm gonna do it. So you try it. So yeah. Why not? It it why, why not? Why not building my foundation and, you know, just just hold on another few weeks. And I mean, you know, the good thing is, hopefully, you see some of these ultra races, and that you can build from them. And you know, you obviously it's significant, um, you know, recovery needed for some of them, but you can still grow into it, um, mm-hmm. build into it again. And it's, so, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. It's given me a little bit of motivation, but. I don't think I need to get, I'm not going to get, I think I'm, I feel there's less pressure in this one compared to the, the hundred K because I mean, I, I wasn't putting. I, well, it's an open race. Put, this one will be an open race. You're not yeah, exactly. competing for Scotland. And- yeah. Like no one was putting pressure on me. I mean, I was putting pressure on myself at the, the Scottish race, but this one, it'll just be an experience and it's going to be a lot slower i can run my own race it's it, entering unknown a bit like the treadmill challenge and that that kind of brought me back to think do you know it's a year since i did the treadmill challenge talk of course yeah end of august yeah that's crazy that's, i can't believe it I, I was like a year ago i was doing that um so uh yeah that that got me you know deja vu and uh i saw that you put up a, you sent me a wee video of utmb two years ago as well so yeah i'm gonna have to spend time looking at that that you know that actual challenge i mean you know the treadmill challenge for some of the listeners who maybe don't know what i tried to do i tried to break the 24-hour world treadmill world record world treadmill 24-hour treadmill world record um for 24 hours and uh it was it, it ended up six hours in my hip flexor my right right hip flexor went and i tried to get the massage gun to try and get rid of the pain and i was like well i'm gonna keep going until somebody pulls me off, or but let's let's but let's a bit a bit of context. Now we can give we can maybe say it a bit more as it is. It's because you tried to go for the hundred mile. That was the that's that right. was a rookie mistake. I think that's right. I think if you'd gone for the twenty four hour world record, I'm not saying you would have got it. I don't know if you would have got it, but I think that because you went out so hard and then hung on, I think that was personally. I think that I, with my uneducated uh, feeling is that's what put paid to the to you I, I getting so. around twenty four hours. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, that was. Yeah, and and you know, although it was painful, I, I I held on for what eleven that extra hours at, and that was it wasn't fun to watch for the for the viewers, no doubt. But I had to keep going because I was people kept donating, and I got like eleven thousand was it eleven thousand pounds I raised in the end of the 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 shift. So and and I fell off basically fell off at the end because I couldn't move anymore. But yeah, it was a, it was an interest it was an amazing experience, even though of just the only challenge of, of last year but it was definitely uh one of the things that i'll never forget anyway that's for so sure what, so what does 24 hour training look like then for the coming month i haven't really thought i haven't really thought about that to be honest i think um it'll probably i think it'll be much and such what i'm what i have been doing um but i don't think the, the in terms of the pace i don't think i'll i, I won't be forcing these longer runs at that sort of six and a half minute mile paces, I think I'm just going to, you know, just ease into them, do some longer, easier runs, um, you know, go back to the transport museum, get used to running laps. Um, the, the good thing, there was another opportunity to run at the Gloucester 24 hour race, which is on the track, but I've decided against that one just because it's uh, well, it's on a running track. I just think 
my my current you know hip pain I get I think it'll just be far too repetitive mm-hmm. um so I think if we can do it on the on a road I think there's just a little bit more less it's just less forgiven I think uh, or more forgiven to to do it on that as well so yeah so I think easy runs a bit of mileage um but not stress out about it just enjoy it and enjoy the enjoy the process and uh you know just focus on the outcome near the time so yeah and, and in terms of like some of these track events i just want to give a shout out to dave moore as well who ran the 48 hour one uh, in gloucester which is uh, two days of running bloody hell like but yeah. I, i'm that i mean is that again no disrespect to dave but is that running i mean i'm I have, i'm actually reading the the rise of the ultra at the moment i'm quite you know um Ardern finn and i'm yeah it's a really interesting book, but he makes a couple of comments early on saying some of them, is it running? I'm 48 hours. What, what is that? Is that really, I'm going to get pelters here, but it's a 48 hour race. Is that running? That's a very, it's, it's pure endurance. And Adrian Stott will, I'm sure will tell me off. And I know last week he was saying it's all endurance and it is all endurance, but that is a complete, I don't, that's a different, that's getting to a different sport to, to uh 5k, 10k. I mean, that is it really is. It's a completely different, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, it is running. survival. It is. I mean, you know, you look at me, UTMB. Is that would you class that as running? Well, it depends on you look. If you want, if, as, if you talk about Crony de Walter, I would say definitely hundred percent. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I think when it comes to like some of the, you know, some of these endurance challenges, it's it's maybe more to do with the endurance. You know, what what endurance looks like is is an open interpretation but mm-hmm. i think i would class it as endurance and obviously there's walking running in that sort of distance but yeah i mean i'm i'm someone who i would prefer to run i mean i think 24 hours you can you can clearly run that you, you obviously have to stop but it, you know when you go up utmb and things like you can't run that that sort of terrain you've got mm-hmm. to be hiking fast and and i think that's the beauty of a sport is it's there's so many things that you can do and you can find your niche. And I think, uh, I think I find my niche, but I would like to go back to marathons next year. Um, on nice. the short distance to try and review my, my, my time now that these carbon shoes are out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you, yeah, you've already yeah. run a marathon in a carbon shoe though. Uh, have I? Yeah. You ran, no, Tallahassee. I, I, you ran Tallahassee in a pair of, uh, no, I, forgot, I didn't take my next days. Eh? I, you, I left you were, home. I wore my Zoom flies. Did you? That's interesting. I, I thought you were four percent. Okay. No, I would. I thought they were carbon shoes, but no. The, in in Chicago, it was a uh, Zoom fly as well. There. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I need to join you because my half marathon PB is in a pair of Zoom flies. They're not that bad. Oh, yeah. I still oh, got a plate see. in them. I think ah. it's like yeah. I, th- I think you're not going to get a huge. You're not finding like five minutes in them, but I think yeah. I think you'll. I think it'll help you. I think the biggest challenge is still the work. Yeah. Yeah, work is the training. It's absolutely it's yeah. the training side that's the most important thing. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. But that was well, that's very exciting for October. Then. I look forward to seeing the that that training on on uh, unfurl over the coming over the coming. What about then. you then, Tommy? For me, I mean, I'm I'm but I'm getting back into it, actually, which has been really good. My knee's still a wee bit. It's not 100 percent there, but I'm I'm looking after it quite a lot. My my I've been slowly but surely bumping my bumping my mileage up. So what have I done? I've been my graph is actually pretty like my graph the last eight weeks is pretty controlled. So my weekly running mileage is 17k, 
27k, 38k, 58k, 84k, 110k, and last week 120k. So I'm I'm now at the mileage that or the kilometerage that I want to I want to sort of sit at now for the next uh, sort of 15 weeks to get to the marathon, maybe a couple of down weeks. Um, last week I did two sessions in the week, so a pretty standard week, which is good. Two sessions in the long run for the first time in in a couple of months, which was good. Down the track with a club. Um, the club is, uh, yeah, it's just the club. That club continues to entertain me. Great bunch of people, but you've got uh, this fair of everyone going out at the same pace for a rep. Uh, we did on last Wednesday. We did two k, a two k effort with two minute recovery, two by fifteen hundred with a ninety second recovery, then three by a k with uh, with a minute recovery. And I was right. I'm going to run this at like half marathon, ten k pace, and like that. And everyone goes out like the absolute clappers with the with the lead guy. Momo, the legend that is um, Momo, who's going to, he's like a 227 marathoner, despite the fact he's hes in his mid-50s. And everyone just, it's just a war of attrition. So I sit off the back on my own pace, and sure enough, people come back. And it's bizarre. It's just this bizarre, I'm sort of trying to say to people, but my French is not good enough. I'm saying, you need to rein this in, lads. And somebody did tell me the word for that, actually. Um, anyway, and I, I, obviously I've not picked it up, but it, it's good. And I felt it's good to get back to track. Did, did that on, on Wednesday which is great Wednesday night, first time back at an evening club session, which is cool. And then Saturday, 10 by 500, not really what I'm looking to do at the moment, but I'm, I'm kind of just committed to the next month, just going to the club, doing the club session. And then once we get into mid to end of September, I'll start my own more specific build towards Valencia. Valencia, which is in December, start of December, isn't it? It is indeed. So I, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of, we're getting there. I still feel, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a bit. I'm, I'm not. My fitness is not as bad as it, I thought it would be, and I, I've got enough time, so that that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I got well, a, yeah. What well, time trials you've been doing? That's what it is. Well, the, I, the on the bike, you mean? Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, I think I, I think it's. I don't know. The fitness drops, doesn't it? Everyone gets super stressed about how much your fitness goes, and it probably doesn't go as much as you think it does. And I, I've always said. Six weeks at 60 miles a week is what I need. To, and I'm okay. It's more than just the volume. It's the, what you do, but give me a month and I'll be, I'll be right as rain. And I'll then I can really attack. Exactly. Then I can really attack the 12 weeks. Um, exactly. I actually was going back through my Frankfurt build, which is, yeah. God, that's now like three years ago. It's quite depressing. That result is so long ago now. Yeah. So I really need to replicate that. But I look back and I really didn't start too hot on that. And I, you know, I was looking for a 235, Oh, you're, uh, going, you're like a train at the end. But no, but even the build, I was doing marathon pace efforts at like six minute miling. And, you know, it's amazing in a block what you can do. And by the end of that block, to bring it down to realizing after the I run a half PB, thinking, actually, yeah, maybe I can run a, maybe I can run a bit quicker. And then on the day, it was, what was it, five, 45 minutes. So over the course of 12 weeks, yeah. marathon pace adjusts a lot. So it's quite, that's quite reassuring. And I'm trying to stick to myself saying, run at an effort, not a, don't get slaved to a, a marathon pace is a fuel. So this weekend I'm going to try and do 20 mile long run with the last 10k uh, effort, and I'll try and run it at what is a sort of marathon feel, which might be six, it might be 5:55, might be 5:50. So we'll see. But got a bit of time. I'm like, I'm like you. I've still got, uh, I've got a couple of months yet. Oh God, I've still got a couple of months. You do, yeah, you do. I think as long as you're recovered, that's main thing. Recover from ACP so you can go again. Aye, aye. Who needs recovery? Crack on, Kyle. Right. Well, in that, well, in, in last, that. well, last point then, Kyle. TRS run of the week. 
Who's yeah, it going to be? Oh boy, oh boy, who've we who've we spoke about? Ah, not. Yeah, I've, I've. Well, I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be your man, Robbie Simpson. You know, second. I think place it has to be. be. Um, it's got to be. Yeah, Robbie, I think so. Give it, so, give it, give it to the lad. Well give done, to, Robbie. Pat Simpson. Listeners, we should add. We're speaking of the run of the week. We gave it to Chris Richardson last week. Rico, our British hundred uh, k champion. We've we've spoken to Rico, but we're uh, we're we're saving a bit of content. So Rico's coming next week. Uh, um, and yeah, we're we're uh, so don't don't fret. We've got the man himself. He's on a boat somewhere in Croatia, but we got him before he got on the on the vessel. So he's he's we've wrapped that. That'll be next week. How he got to Croatia, I've got no idea. But good on him. So, well, he probably ran not there, many, Rico. Not that many people I know who who go on holiday to uh, a fancy place, but that, that's what you've got to do. You've got to put in the training. You've got to put in the tra- the prep for a holiday too. Exactly, but and the thing is, you say that. I think it's now. I'm, I'm trying. I say I know this because I'm trying to get my. I'm trying to arrange for my parents to come out in October, November time. But it looks pretty. The travel guidelines are are okay now. I think as long oh, as you've got a double vax, you're okay. You have to take a vax, test, but. You're yeah, sorted. double vax, you're sorted, and you've got to take a test. But with it all being in the amber list, there's no quarantine, which is the main pain. So, uh, yeah. Oh, well. so, no, so no excuse for you not to get out. Did you find a 24-hour yeah. race near Paris, mate? Oh, well, if you find one, you do. You, you show. You, I'll you, find I, one. I think, I, already, I think I've already got one. So, yeah, leave it with me. You leave it. and, and uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll see. I'll try and see what I can do. Eh? Let me know. Very it's good. And Tommy's supporting me then. What, yeah. What kind of that, eh? 24 hours, yeah, blame me. That's a, that's a long time to support. Right, hours for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Right, well, folks, we won't, we won't leave this show until, for 30 hours. We'll, we'll stop it now. But yeah. uh, thanks for listening yet again. If you do want to contact us, you can. We will email you at some point. TartanRunningShorts at gmail.com. You can check us out on our socials at Tartan Shorts on Twitter, uh, at Tartan Running Shorts on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to leave us a review, we would absolutely appreciate that because it gives us more cred in the world of podcasts. And uh, and then a final thing about the running shorts, the Tartan running shorts are should be with me by the end of Friday. I've, I have been promised in writing that they should be on my doorstep, but well, hopefully not on my doorstep, hopefully in my mm. house on the Friday of this week. So that would be Friday, the 4th, the, the 3rd of September. The shorts will be here. So when, when we when we record next week, Kyle should be wearing a pair. He should be in with, the, with a logo on it because I've got a replica pair. Of course, yeah. yeah. They're very good. Well, so hopefully they'll be with you soon, folks. Well, have a good week, Kyle. We'll keep that recovery up and uh, yeah, we, we'll catch up with you next week. Awesome. See you later.
sometimes shuffle, sometimes saunter. When we train, when we train, when we train, 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 it can be savage, but never brutal, because we'll love the wind and rain. You got Tommy, you got Kyle, they bring news, they drink brews, they do interviews, they like And that's a wrap.